fine, Arthur. Now, the choreographer is here. Uh, would you dance for us a little bit? Oh, yes, sir. Uh, uh, not that, Arthur. Try a shuffle. A shuffle? Uh-huh. Well, I'll tell you, I don't mind shuffling. Because actually, shuffling is a sign of defiance. What's up, world, and welcome back to the Vibes and Stuff Podcast, where hip-hop heads discuss hip-hop topics. On today's show, we'll first dive into a couple of news nuggets, such as how the hip-hop industry has been responding to Andre 3000's instrumental flute album. We'll also talk about the recent allegations against Diddy, Aaron Hall, Jimmy Iovine, L.A. Reid, and others as far as sexual assault and misconduct. Is hip-hop having its own Me Too moment? Will these high-profile stories change anything in the near future? Then we'll dive into the review of the documentary May the Lord Watch, detailing the rise, fall, and reassembly of one of hip-hop's most underrated groups, Little Brother. We'll share what we liked about the documentary and what we felt it might have been missing. Then for our face-off, we'll be putting Second Nature by All Naturals against Masters of the Universe by Binary Star and have the crew weigh in on which album we felt was better and why. And then the crew will share what they've been bumping for the week. So with that, please, take back and enjoy the show. Yo, what's going on, Jamil? What's happening? What's good, what's good? Shout, shout to Percy Mirror. Shout out, R.I.P. to the legend. <laughs> man. Man. I love you to the legend, man. How you been, though? Chilling, man. How, how was you trip back home, or back to your second home, I should say? Right, right, right. It wasn't too bad. I got, you know, caught up in a little bit of snow. That's but, that's uh, not a euphemism for a, a Coke video, is it? <laughs> um, nah, because we on a live mic. So absolutely not, sir. <laughs> Selling drugs would be wrong. <laughs> that would be wrong. Embarrass me in front of my family and my community. <laughs> oh man, man! You, you so you said you got caught up with snow? Yeah. Oh wow. That yeah, I man was snowing in the city when I left. You know what? It was. You're right. It was. It, it wasn't was. much. We definitely got a dusting. Yeah, just enough to be annoying and people act like they don't know how to drive in it. But That's I was charged up, charged up from real nigga talk though, so I was in a great mood on the way back. <laughs> yep, that's always a battery in the back. So. Yes, indeed. Always a battery in the back, but glad to have you on, my brother. And um, yes, sir. We got, we got we got quite the show um, ahead of us, man. Or prepare for us. There's been a lot going on in the world of hip hop. I kind of had to redo the syllabus three or four times to kind of get our bearings <clears throat> to catch up on everything. Word. But um. A lot of interesting stuff has been said in the wake of Andre 3000's new instrumental flutes album, and um, one of the thing, one of the things that's interesting is the positive and negative reactions to it. One of the positive reactions I saw to it was that uh, Lupe Fiasco gave us a rap record uh, as promised over um, Andre 3000's new flute instrumental flute music. And I don't know if you heard the track, but it's it's standard fair Lupe. You know, he he sounds pretty sharp on it, pretty lyrical as as you as usual. Um, some people were kind of in the camp of like 
this is a respectful homage and some people were just kind of like bro you need to stop like some people were telling him he needed to stop but for different reasons some people were saying you need to stop because this is not what this music was intended for whereas other people are just like this music sounds bad period and it sounds worse with someone trying to rap over it but where, where do you stand on that um i think i'm more in the former camp but not on some like being super precious about it not not so much like oh no that's not that is not what andre intended you shouldn't rap over it it's more for me like you know we keep trying to force force the album into a hip-hop space and that's just not it like he's he's a rapper yes but this is not a hip-hop project and we, i don't feel like we have to force it into that space like we can be hip-hop heads and appreciate it or not if if you don't rock with you know woodwind music then it's not gonna be your cup of tea but like lupe did what he could with it and i i suppose i understand his point of view and, and why he might have done it but i'm like yo just let the album be what it is yeah yeah I, i'm split you know like to me hearing what lupe did for me did not add anything or take anything away to the composition that he was rapping over so i'm just kind of indifferent to it but like I, I do think that there needs to be a conversation around instrumental music and how it's influenced hip-hop how influ how, how hip-hop has also influenced it in return and how we just need to kind of appreciate that um and you know i definitely agree with that yeah yeah I, I mean i think instrumental hip-hop music and what this is are two different things yes. but it does kind of for me it kind of spurns that question you know it it, it kind of kicks up that question for me because i am able to enjoy other instrumental music and just you know enjoy it as is whereas like you know, I know everybody's not wired that way. You know, when they want to hear rap, they want to hear rap. When they want to hear, you know, something else, they'll, they, they've got their, their artists that they reach for. But I, I do think there needs to be a conversation around, like, you know, just kind of w with more traditional hip hop cats and listeners, just kind of expanding their musical uh, palette, you know, and, and learning to appreciate new stuff even if it doesn't have bars over it you know what i mean like i've right. kind of been beating that drum since <laughs> since the early 2000s honestly ever since man like this is even before peach instrumentals dropped this was like when i used to cop like moment instrumental tapes and whatnot from dr wax and it was like yo this is an interesting little subgenre here that like it's got some potential here so and, and and let me be clear i'm not i'm not saying that's what andre's album is but i, I do think you know there, there's a conversation that needs to be had like and i think that maybe in the future artists like andre could kind of do that for the traditional hip-hop audience like get them into that other world of instrumental music that they can actually enjoy that that does have its its roots in traditional hip-hop so i would just like to see that period you know what i mean you know, Lupe is an artist that I'm pretty sure has access to very serviceable and, and decent producers if he really wanted to, you know, collab with some with some cats, popular or not popular, and, and turn out a project if he really wanted. Right. You know, why you have to rap over this, I'm just a little like, 
eh, I'm, I'm, I'm over it. Like I want the, I want the new ish. You know what I mean? <laughs> give me, right. give me that. Right. Don't give me a retread or something. Um, I mean, even if, cause you know, niggas rhyming over other niggas beats has been a part of the game forever, and I'm not, I'm not opposed to that concept. I just. I don't know. I've been beating this drum since since the album dropped. Like it's not a rap album. Can we not yeah. make it a rap album? Yeah, yeah. It just simply is not that. You know, and cats cats got to get that through through their head. What's what's interesting is that there there've been uh, reports that New Blue Sun outsold several major rap albums this year. Uh, I saw it, that. It, yeah, its opening week sales outsold Lil Wayne, Ice Spice, and Nas. So, you know, that that tells you to me that that's not so much a statement on the actual quality of the music, but just the the power of Andre's influence and how much he's still uh, a cultural presence and influence. So, right. you know, for somebody like him to be able to put up those type of numbers with an album that everybody knew going into it, didn't have any bars over it. For him to have that kind of influence, to me, that that shows me the potential of instrumental music and how it can be enjoyed amongst traditional hip hop fans. You know, so I would like to see what the second week numbers were. Like, mm. how far did it drop? Because I think there were a lot of people who were like holding out hope that maybe he just said it was an instrumental album. We just said it was. A flute album and they felt like nah ain't no way Dre gonna not give us no bars even though the man was very very clear I could see a world where a lot of people would have tried to project their um, desires on onto what this project would be so I'm curious how you know if that bolstered the numbers initially and then how many people went back and listened to it second third multiple times yeah, that's a good question. That's a good question. Yeah, those second week sales numbers really, really would be more telling. Yeah, and you're you're probably right. It's probably they're probably like, man, it's got to be a hidden track on here somewhere where he's actually rapping, right? You know, and it just, it just never came. You know, um, hidden tracks ain't been a thing for like 15, 20 years. You can't really do a hidden track on streaming. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah, but yeah, seeing the response to it is is to me is is. Been, been very interesting i'll say that it's been very interesting man this other topic man this 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 next story is like forever evolving and changing and more stories and and, and allegations keep trickling down so the complexion of this particular story is 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 ever changing and ever evolving as we speak but i wanted to talk about whether or not hip-hop is having a uh it's on me too moment you know, we 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 already discussed the Diddy accusations at length, and what's what's interesting. I was talking about this with my wife. She she was kind of saying that she thinks the reason the Diddy stuff is gaining traction is because you've had a lot of male voices in hip hop chiming in and co-signing. You know, basically being character witnesses and being like. Yeah, I absolutely believe Cassidy. Yeah, Diddy is a creep. Yeah, Diddy did this. Diddy's done that. Diddy did all this other stuff. And that's kind of why public opinion has fallen more on the side of Cassidy. 
However, there's been some some other allegations dropping regarding L.A. Reid, regard, regarding Jimmy Iovine, uh, regarding this dude. I forget his name, but he was a bad boy executive as well. Um, oh, Harv Pierre, Joe Hooker. Yep, yep Harv Pierre. And even, even Uncle Luke, <laughs> as of recently. You know, I know you don't want to have no Uncle Luke slander on the pod, so let me, let mean, me be the fir- first to say these are just allegations. You know, and my thing is, if it, hey, if he if he's you know guilty of the things that he's accused of, man, I can't I can't rock with that at all. Absolutely. Um, ho- however, <laughs> <laughs> not to victim blame or anything like that. The circumstances around the the allegations seem a bit murky at best to me. This is true, and, and when 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 I heard Luke Luke's official response, it did. It, it, like you said, yeah, it absolutely sounded murky. Like he wasn't completely in the know with what was going on with this chick. Uh, she was kind of put in his circle and his environment by means of other people, and they just kind of developed a relationship. But even she stated that like nothing, no sexual contact took place while she was underage. It was right. just heavily insinuated and even alleged that he he had groomed her uh from the age of 16 and you know you know hearing luke's response it's like it doesn't sound like that's what he was doing but <laughs> you know i don't know i don't know um he definitely has a uh i mean his reputation will not help him in this case <laughs> right right yeah, it's like it's like oh, Uncle Luke, oh like, yeah, he did that. <laughs> like, right, Beretta did that ish. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just unfortunate because it's like, for what it's worth, man, it's like the cats. It's 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 starting to seem as if like, you know, the people who were the real movers and shake, shakers in hip hop when we were teenagers and getting into it and everything, are some of the most were the biggest creeps. You know what I mean? But it's the people who you would have thought would have been getting up to unsavory activities that have turned out to be the most squeaky clean, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, it's 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 kind of because, you know, I think about a nigga like Puff Daddy and where he was at in 96, 97, 98. It's like the nigga had was he was the richest figure in hip hop. He could have had any woman he wanted, you know, to be quite honest. You know, he didn't have to resort to the things he resorted to to, you know have a partner you know and it's just you know it does kind of feel like like hip-hop is having is having its own me too movement you know a few years after the fact and you know i i suppose better late than never better late than never you know it's just uh, i i just wonder how this is going to change the culture or better yet the industry moving forward because a lot of interviews by cats like Gene Deal, Diddy's former um, bodyguard, or Mark Curry, one of Diddy's former producers. Who else? It, it, a few other people have, have come out and corroborated stories and saying, yeah, you know, Diddy also did this. I also saw Diddy do that. And it's all terrible stuff. You know what I mean? It's all terrible stuff. Not surprising, considering that, you know, Puff Daddy's biggest rival at one point was Suge Knight, who was a horrible person in his own right, but just with different types of activity but I, I guess I shouldn't be shocked uh, I remember you speaking on this in the past yeah yeah dude dude been a he been pretty tough line 
and it, it, you know way too much smoke for there to be no fire um if you're a killer nigga or you will you will uh you know sick your sick your man to shoot somebody in the face in a in a crowded nightclub <laughs> or allegedly have you know your top artist and supposed best friend killed and you know the stuff with kid cuddy like if you'll do that and not to mention the terrible business practices like we saw how bad people were being treated on camera yeah while i was making a band which it was funny but it was still <laughs> very much you know exploitative of, of the people trying to get a break yeah so what it, it leaves the question you know all right if this is what he's willing to show us what on earth is happening you know when the cameras ain't there or you know what is this environment like prior to the show mm, yeah that's a good point that's a good point making niggas walk 30 miles to get him some cheesecake yeah and that's on tv it's like yeah right, right. what else is he doing you but know also, I'm, 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 i was here for that one it's it doesn't have much to do with music but it does show like how dedicated are you to this what are you willing to do it was humiliating because it was on tv that particular thing you know makes me feel like i don't know maybe i just thought it was funny so i'm trying to defend it but it <laughs> <laughs> i mean but but it keep, let's let's keep it a buck like back then it was funny it was funny yeah, to watch it. aspiring rappers yeah. we really didn't believe in let's be honest we didn't think they were all that good anyway watch right. them jump through these hoops for to get a major label deal like it was it was it was entertaining for the for the time mm-hmm. um it's, it's still it, funny to me personally and, and yeah to a certain level it is it, it, it taps into a very uh cynical view i have of the music industry um mm-hmm. you know and everything wrong with it so it, yeah it, t- it touches all those those little things for me but man like <laughs> it's like yeah what's What's happening behind the scenes, you know? Right. And it's just it, to hear, you know, what a, the 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 chick. Hold on, I I, I want to get her name right. The the same chick who was being um who got sexually assaulted by Russell Simmons was also blackballed by L.A. Reid for basically turning down his advances. And I remember watching her documentary. Drew Dixon. Drew Dixon is her name. Mm-hmm. Um, but she has a very detailed account of how basically she was blackballed in the industry because she turned down his L.A. Reid sexual advances. And, you know, at the time, it was like there were very few movers and shakers in hip hop that could just like make a phone call and just get you shut down. You know, but he mm-hmm. was one of them. L.A. Reid was one of them. Puff Daddy was another one. You know, Sh- I talked about Suge Knight, but I'm sure he had other methods. <laughs> yeah, I don't believe Suge was the phone call type. No, no. <laughs> you know, and it's just it it is a little telling, man. Like, you know, I remember I remember watching her documentary, and you know, this 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 woman was behind a lot of like hip hop's biggest and most impactful records, you know, coming together. And for her to still have have to have gone through what she went through. You know, to the point where she eventually walked away from the business. It it is telling, um, and it, it, it does explain a lot as far as like how we got to the point we got to today, where hip hop is just 
it's in a place where it's like it's supposed to be cool, but it just ain't cool because you have a lot of people who just aren't part of the culture or who haven't been a part of the culture for a very long time. These are the people making the decisions. These are the people greenlighting certain albums. These are the people, you know what I'm saying, making sure certain artists get played. So it's just like when when it when the industry reveals itself to be more like okay this is more politics and who you could connect with and who you could do favors for as opposed to who's just the most talented we'll get into that a little a little later with the little brother doc but it it, it really does explain some things yeah for sure but and i don't i don't know how so the thing for me is you know it's being I know we're having this discussion, um, but I'm sure that there are think pieces out there now with a similar idea, like, oh, is hip hop, you know, having its Me Too movement or does hip hop need to have its Me Too movement? And honestly, I don't, I don't know that I love the framing of it, making it specific to hip hop, like America got a problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's a culture thing and you know, hip hop is not immune to that because it is certainly a part of the culture and it's just made up of people and people are subject to the behaviors that were deemed acceptable at the time. Not saying that any of it is ever acceptable, but just culturally, there were certain things that were okay that just were viewed as okay or, or maybe not even the idea that they were okay but they were just you know the people who were uh, the victims of this behavior just were, were too powerless to really do anything about it at the time but it's 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 tale as old as time man you know it's not different from and we've used this example before you know when we was in school and the girls we go to school with they leaving they leaving after school to hop in the car with a 24 year old dope boy <laughs> like that's not different from uh, uh, an aspiring artist falling into the clutches of a puff or, or, or somebody else or you know having some exec say like yeah I could I could put you on but what you gonna do for me like this is all part of that culture that is permeated I'll say America just because that's what I know but I'm quite sure it's a global issue in, in one way or another just Oh, absolutely. Mis misogyny ain't, uh, <laughs> it ain't local by any means. Right. No, no. Yeah, you're right. It, and, and neither hip hop nor America has a monopoly on that. Yo, yeah, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. You know, it's just, it, it, it sucks that that stuff has to taint a, um, it has to taint a, a, a counterculture that was a, at least at one point a force to, be a vehicle for change and then it just ended up being part of the system <laughs> you know what i mean speaking of the hip-hop industry and mm -hmm. it, it took on all the characteristics of the wider problematic american capitalist culture and um and this is yeah this is this is part of it this is part of it but you know this is this is chickens coming home to roost as well and you know being an old farm boy myself Chickens coming home to roost. They never made me me sad. It's only practice only made me glad. <laughs> you know, you know. Exactly. <laughs> but um, 
Yeah, Diddy, Diddy, uh, not Diddy, uh, 50 Cent said he he's, he plans to, I, he could might be trolling with this, but he said he plans sure. on executive executive producing uh, Surviving Diddy. Now, I kind of hope he's not trolling. I, I, I kind of want to see this made, bro. Like, <laughs> he's he's made comments in interviews. He's had a lot of old interview footage surface where he's like, yeah, Puffy sent me a picture of, of, of Cassie and I, and I compromised him position and I, I had the feeling this wasn't coming from her this was coming from him you know and right. I, even 50 was like you know how can you put that out there about with uh, you know against somebody you you claim to love and have feelings for and care about I'm like dang you got a nigga like 50 cent saying this is wrong like something's wrong right you know but Diddy he comes from an age I was thinking about this too he comes from an age where celebrity how how celebrities could control the narrative they they had a way easier time doing so right you know diddy came up in a time where there was no internet to speak of there was no social media to speak of you know if he got on tv and you know was able to give a good interview and throw out some really cool uh slogans and and sayings then people would be like okay i'm okay with this dude maybe these chicks are just after money you know, they, they they see a pot of honey, they want to lick it clean. Um, maybe, maybe that's what, in the past, that would work. Because since this story is broken, he did resurface on social media with a little 30-second video talking about, yeah, I'm all about love. I'm all about the light. I'm not going to dwell in the dark. I'm, 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 I am the light. You know, it's like, look, that BS might have worked in 1996, but that don't work in 2023. Like... We live in an information age. You just can't, you just can't show them pearly whites. You know what I'm saying for 30 seconds on the big screen, and every, you know, and everybody's back on board with you. Like, and I, I think, I think he's kind of uh, he comes from a very retrograde uh, era of celebrity as well. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, bro, you 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 got to go away, bro. You you got to lay low for a while. Like, right. Right, I he doesn't strike me as a type that does or knows how to do that, but that's probably his best, his best bet. Just just chill for a moment. Yeah, yeah. Get out the spotlight. Exactly, exactly. But for what it's worth, I hope I hope it changes the industry. I hope there can be some sort of you know reform. You know, <laughs> and and. I don't see and it. You don't see it? Nah, as long as there are that levels of discrepancy between people who have access to finances and power and people who don't, there's going to be expectation. That's just kind of how it works. And typically, if you're talking gender dynamics, that's usually the way it rolls. You know, niggas with money uh, feel as though that they can say and do whatever they want to women. Um... And they do. And the problem is, you know, niggas without money <laughs> are so quick to to kind of defend that that type of behavior um, as though they were somehow going to be victims of the 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 gold digger boogeyman that everybody talk about. Like, yes, these you know these type of women do exist for sure. Um, when you look at the the you know these older women who prey on like 
newly minted millionaire young athlete. Like that, that is a thing for sure. But if you if you're looking at just the sheer number of it, like the the likelihood of this rich man taking advantage of a woman with less less power and less resources, ten to one, easy. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd even say significantly more than that. It doesn't mean that you know gold diggers don't exist, and it doesn't mean that there aren't women who will pursue a, a rich or powerful man with the with the idea of trying to get something out of it. But those are so few and far between. But it, like I said, broke niggas are gonna jump on it. So for the one example that you can prove, it's like, see, see, that's why, that's what they all own. That's what they all own. When <laughs> it's it's such a straw man's argument. And also, nigga, you broke. Ain't nobody trying to exploit you for your, <laughs> your yeah. 2017 Corolla. <laughs> like we we work for a living. I don't I don't think any real change is going to come immediately. But my hope my hope was always that like at least maybe with Generation Z, you know, things won't be so exploitative and transactional. You know, especially when it comes to our 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 the, the music of our culture and and if it, certain artists get greenlit and or certain versus certain artists not and who's doing what for who. It's like you just kind of you just want you want the music to be able to stand on its own, you know, and you don't want there to be a, 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 a climate where like people are being blacklisted or silenced because, you know, they wouldn't play ball with one of the, the few button pushers in the industry that really has real power. You know, I, I hope like like Gen Z seems to be more sensitive to things like, you know, women's issues and sexual harassment and stuff like that. But they're also highly susceptible to a lot of this red pill talking point nonsense that's popped yep. up over the last two or three years, you know, and like, <laughs> I don't know what percentage of them buy into that crap, but like, I, you know, I don't Enough know to make it a thing, I guess. Yeah, I guess. I mean, for it to make it onto the pretty much the mainstream, like, you know, you say red pill and people know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, the alpha male crowd, however they mm-hmm. want to be described. You know, um, it's like I see that stuff and it's like, oh man, like, man, y'all were supposed to be the generation that corrected this stuff. Y'all were supposed to be the people that got rid of this stuff and tore down, like, <laughs> I don't want to call them toxic gender roles, but like, just, just toxic sexist behavior. Like, and that's why, man, y'all are amping it up to 11 in a way we never did. Mm hmm. You know, I think the I'm difference between at, us and them is like we actually had to come face to face with these women. We actually had to converse with them. So, yeah, we might have been, you know, a little rough around the edges and, and certainly influenced by <laughs> the dominant culture. Uh, and we were young and, and probably said and did really dumb things that young men say and do. I know I did. I know I did. Uh, but as you learn better, you do better. Hopefully, yeah. But these niggas, they 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 get raised on uh, was them was some clowns fit and fresh and Kevin Samuels, <laughs> Andrew Tate, yeah, um, man, Sneeko. But he, even my son, he he's recognized over time that like yo these these dudes is just doing this for 
attention you know what i mean and likes and follows like even at the age of 10 he's starting to finally like put the pieces together because i'm like i'm like son man like real men don't talk this way you know what right. i mean this is these right. are these are clowns you know and he's he's starting to get it because he, even he was starting to pare it back some of that some of that crap you know and i was like whoa where, where, where are you learning this from you know right but that's that's their crowd, the impressionable, the people who don't know much, you know. Correct. People who are, you know, and and, and for people on the spectrum who might be socially awkward anyway, that that rhetoric might be a, easily be a, a very appealing to them. Absolutely, because it kind of gives you a, a place to, for lack of a better word, blame the awkwardness, you know, outside of. Um, outside of yourself which that has to be a difficult existence right to to move in a space where you don't feel like you know you're feeling like a puzzle piece that isn't quite fitting like everybody else's does and it doesn't even have to necessarily be a person on a spectrum just man growing up is it's, we all had an awkward stage it's just kind of how it is um, yeah they, these yeah. folks are growing up on display in a way <laughs> yeah. that we never did yeah yeah yeah, you're you're exactly right, and they don't have they don't because they grew up with the internet. They don't necessarily have the the discernment to to look at stuff and 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 compartmentalize. Like, okay, this is entertainment. This is for clicks and likes. This ain't necessarily how it goes in the real world. Whereas we, us, and the internet, we grew up together. Correct. So we grew up having to vet stuff that we saw on the internet. It was like, yeah, this is a great source for information. But we also knew the need to vet things that might might or might not have been true. Right. And this younger generation never went through that training. Like we we all when we were growing up, we all saw 9-11 happen live on TV. OK, Correct. it was presented a certain way it, 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 and, and we took it for what it was. If 9-11 happened today, you will have a large segment of the population saying that it's a hoax and a government psyop and it didn't really happen that way and mm -hmm. you, you know what i mean like it, it's just we just live in a different age you know but getting a little off topic i i just i just hope the, um i just hope that the, the next generation could kind of correct the mistakes of the past generations you know that i'm, I'm gonna say we just go ahead and say gen x that gen x is has perpetuated you know and I, i'm putting the puffies in that in that in that bucket yeah because because it sucks it sucks for everybody involved it, it 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 leaves psychological scars behind for the victims you know it, it emboldens the, the victimizers you know and and in a lot of cases it made the music suffer you know so you know we yeah. I, I i just want to see it fixed you know i just want to see it fixed and any efforts to fix it i i, I support you know, it's it's weird because, like, in in our own personal industries, I'm sure you you've gone through this too. You know, on a regular basis, we have to take sexual harassment courses yes. uh, that are mandatory. In fact, us having our jobs hinges on us taking these courses, whether or not you've been involved in an incident or not. Right. Um, and and the music industry just doesn't have that. No, because they're, um, I mean, they're individual. I mean, everybody's basically an independent contractor. Yeah. 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 So there's a need for change there. But I, I hope I hope something good comes out of it. 
Um, yeah. Oh, it also shed some light on why Puffy was given the publishing rights back to his bad boy artist. Because I, I knew when that story dropped, I'm like, man, there's, there's got to be something else to this story. And sure enough, there was. They were only allowed to get their publishing rights back if they signed NDAs where they promised not to speak on anything that happened while they were at Bad Boy. Mm. And I said, wow. Okay. Nat, nat. Hey, here's the other piece of the puzzle that we didn't know. Right. Because I'm like, I just don't see Puffy doing that now after all this time. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah that is I'm like wow 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 gotta look at this the fine print but um let's dive into something positive uh <laughs> for the culture um there was a recent documentary documentary that dropped uh, on YouTube uh covering the rise fall and rising again of one of hip-hop's in my opinion one of hip-hop's most underrated hip-hop groups and that is little brother the name of the, the documentary was may the lord watch uh named after their reunion album that they dropped in 2019 and man i do i was i was quite i was very engaged with this documentary did, did you get a chance to watch it i did um i remember why i don't watch nothing on youtube <laughs> I was annoyed by that because every time it was getting good, cut out to an ad. But yeah, yeah, the, the docs. Uh, I learned quite a few things. I knew that obviously the group had broke up. Uh, I knew it was uh, Pooh and Fonte on one side, Ninth on the other. I didn't realize that it had pretty much been that process, or they had been going through that process pretty much the whole time. Like. I, I guess it never clicked with me that yeah ninth never was on them shows every time that I've seen them it was always DJ Flash and it never even dawned on me that that was a thing mm. it was just like yeah DJ Flash is the the show DJ like it it didn't even uh, strike me as odd but I could see how that would definitely cause tension within the group and when I'm surprised that wasn't mentioned as far as that part is concerned nobody talked about the money split and whether or not that played a factor which it sounds like it probably didn't because nobody mentioned it but i, I found that part to be interesting too because i wonder like what well they kind of they kind of they kind of did go into that a bit remember the the part of the documentary where uh Pooh was talking about how they would sign on to do a show somewhere and then um, Knife Wonder would pop up in the building just there as a spectator while they were on stage rocking and promoters would be like okay what's this about how come he ain't on stage he he didn't go into deep details but he was like okay now dude now you're effing up our money because right. I am I imagine if they think they're okay I pay little brother to perform how come all the little brother ain't on stage therefore I'm either not going to pay them or I'm going to pay them less. A, a, yeah, less than if if than if all three of them actually were on stage performing. So right. maybe maybe for that reason they were getting a, a three way split or something. I don't know. They didn't really go into detail with that. Right, and that's the part that I was curious about because was Knight getting a cut of the tour money anyway? Like early on. And would that have been 
you know, a source of contention. So I don't know, but I it was it was pretty wild that whole thing. And I get not wanting to, um, you know, we all have our personality traits, and you know, if you don't want to be a, a touring artist, like I can see that, but also, nigga, you ain't got no choice. Like this is, you know, little brother is not. They wasn't the franchise boys. They wasn't able to, you know, get radio play or obviously um, the BET thing happened. And, you know, they, the way they eat is by touring. So the right. idea that, yo, I don't want to do this is like, cool, well, then you don't want to eat. Right, right. I, I, I really enjoyed the documentary from beginning to end. I, I, I appreciate yeah, how they covered how they met. You know what I mean? I, 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 yeah. I, I didn't not know who was from Virginia originally. I just kind of forgot. <clears throat> I just kind of lumped them both as being North Carolina artists. Um, but it was cool getting the story of how they met in college, how, you know, Knife Wonder was kind of like the conduit to introduce Fonte and Pooh. Um, it was cool seeing those, like, the, the town Fonte grew up in, like, those, man, seeing the footage of, like, those, like, North Carolina communities, and it just, it threw me back into space, because I used to live in North Carolina for two years, from, from 88 to 90, and, um, man, it looks exactly, almost exactly how I remember it, you know, not terribly country, but just, you know, small towns, you know, small towns full of, full of, you know, hardworking, blue collar black people. And um, that's definitely, that definitely comes through in their music. But I, I like seeing how they broke down, how they met. It it, it, it reminded me a lot of the Tribe Called Quest uh, documentary, uh, Beats, Rhymes, and Life, that came out in 2011, um, where they just kind of started from the beginning and talked about how they met and formed the group and everything. What was interesting that I didn't. It, it, it did reveal a lot of things I, I didn't know, and that, that I did want to know, which is what a good documentary does. Did you notice how, like, it seemed like for a while, Big Doe was kind of like the fourth unofficial member of the group? Yeah, and I knew Doe was around, but I just assumed he was like road manager, security type type deal. I didn't realize he was so integral to what they were doing. Yeah, I didn't know that either. I didn't know he had a vote, you know, when they right, when they right. just <laughs> decided to like, you know, basically uh, kick knife out out the uh, venues because he, he was popping up and you know not getting on stage for him. Um, I thought that was interesting. I also thought how interesting it was how involved the rest of the Justice League was from the jump because um, yeah. it was like little brother kind of they coalesced out of Justice League whereas I thought in the past Justice League was just kind of like they were like these offshoot cats that kind of signed on to the label after the fact you know what I mean but it was cool to see that they actually had their own little camp back in college of, or crew I should say back in college so that, w- that was cool to see too uh, with it, it seemed it, like you know, little brother just were the ones that blew, relatively speaking. Yeah, yeah. I had never really seen Joe Scudder before this interview. Before really? the stock, that is. Oh yeah. I mean, I hadn't seen him in a while, but um, yeah, that was my that was my guy. I was I was um, watching, I was watching the doc, watching him like George Jefferson, like he's white. <laughs> <laughs> I was angry. <laughs> you didn't know that? 
I knew it, but I didn't know he was white, white. Oh yeah, he's white, 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 <laughs> white, white. And it looks um, because he's older now. He's got the midwestern dad look now. Like, yeah, Joe Dos got his white, white. Wow, wow, yeah, but yeah, it was good to see him weigh in, um, as well as Yazara and um, and Sean Don. Um, but yeah, it very much reminded me of the Tri Call Quest documentary because you know it, it, it did go into uh the nitty gritty of their career, you know, and, and all the drama that happened that they caused them to fall out with each other. Uh, what was interesting too was that, like, a I can't remember if it was ABB Records or Atlantic Records that was trying to get them to sign on to a seven album deal in the beginning. You remember that part? Yeah, that was ABB. Yeah, that is crazy. Like, who, what, what group is putting out seven albums on one label? Like, and yeah, they tried to, they tried to get them. Man, they tried to get them. Thank goodness that was that cr- they didn't sign it because that would have been. Oof. I mean, it's niggas that ain't put out seven albums over the entirety of a career, and that's that's what it sounded like they were trying to do was tie them boys up for their entire careers. Yeah, yeah, that's what it sounded like too. That's what it sounded like too. And I think they eventually, what was it? Was it a two album or three album deal? They eventually settled on. I think it was three. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was three because they ended up dropping um, the get back on ABD. Okay. I like too that they talked about the um how how the OK player message board yeah man was kind of like the springboard for their popularity. Uh, I know you were a regular on that back back in the day. I I used to I was very curious about it. I was on other hip hop forums back around that time in like the mid two thousands. But can you speak on that climate back then and, and what it was like? Was that was that kind of like how you got put on to them or or any other artists? Because I after a while, I, I, I developed some personal gripes with the OK Player message board. But that's that's a new thing. But can you speak on what that was like back in the day? That was definitely how I got put on Little Brother. And it was a couple of uh, other artists, too. But what I enjoyed about it the most was the same artists that you were listening to. Like they was on there. You know what I'm saying? Like, Fonte, get on there and they'll talk about their music, but also just have other commentary on other stuff. Skills will be on there all the time. Gene Gray will pop up. Like, all of these people that we were rocking with at the time, they were there. I I think I've I've mentioned this before. When uh, Fonte and Lupe had got into a, a little thing on the message boards because, you know, Lupe messed up at the at the hip hop awards. And was super defiant about it and Fonte was I, was like yo just just say you messed up and move on like you keep digging in your heels and talking about oh i didn't even listen to tribe i listened to spice one yeah but your music don't reflect that currently like nobody's gonna associate with you with gangster rap right that's how you right. got that's how you ended up doing that in the first place but that's the thing that i remember the most about okay player because it, it, it just wasn't there was no other space like that where you know the artist and the movers and shakers in the industry were accessible in a way that before that they weren't. And this is, you know, 15 years before Twitter was ever a thing. And when Fonte said, okay, player message boards was, was black Twitter before black Twitter, he's 100% correct. That's absolutely what it was. It was, it was mostly about the music, but you know how we do. We'll talk about <laughs> anything. And, and that's, and that's kind of how it went. There was no memes at the time, but 
uh, if there were, that's where they would have been birthed. Like definitely a lot of, um, you know, internet slang, I would wager was birthed out of those conversations. Okay, okay. So so it was what made it cool or made what made it different from other the message boards at that time was the fact that artists would actually get on there and and, and have meaningful discourse mm -hmm. with the fans. Okay. Okay. And that's that's cool. I, I I was never on there enough for that to happen. I remember um I remember a homeboy my well, the guy the guy I used to be in, in my group with, uh Happy Head Bombs. We had we had had some we had had some recordings that we had did. This is back in like 2005, 2006. But um, um, for me, the, the recordings weren't done. We they they lacked a lot of polish. This was one of the first times me and him had really got into the studio together. Not the first time, but we we were still very green. And like the recording was, you know, it, we delivered bar wise, but it was just the the. the the production and the the overall sound quality just wasn't up to snuff. And I remember he had um, he had posted one of our songs on there to try to get feedback. And the the majority of the feedback was was cool. It was what I what I had come to expect. But there was a chunk of feedback that was just like just dogging the quality and you know uh, our delivery and. You know, and that that kind of soured me on the <laughs> that kind of unfairly soured me on the the whole OK Player community because you know I didn't even know he was posting our stuff on there and like because right. it to me it just wasn't finished it wasn't it wasn't ready for the public and I, I had a, I have a huge issue with that but like um, the reason I kind of is I didn't like OK Player was because over time it just kind of it seemed to me to become a, just another cool kids club like okay like we only listen to these 11 or 12 artists and whoever Questlove tells us to listen to this month and like that's it and it was just it there to was to me some it felt, of that okay okay there was definitely some of that my bad I, I didn't mean to cut you off bro no 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 I, if, if you got a retort I'd love to hear it I, I was actually agreeing with it. it there, there was there was some of that, but I think part of what I enjoyed about it too, there was pushback on it because I think there was definitely a certain section of it that was that there was, you know, post spoken whatever Questlove was talking about, but there were people who, you know, were independent thinkers and was like, yo, I rock with this, but there are other there are other artists out there, and you know, people would introduce like what you all did, introduce their own music or you know, put people on to artists that um, had not even made it on the radar to the level of, of you know, the artist that OK Player was championing the most. But it wasn't as monolithic as as maybe how you're seeing it or remembering it. But also, I get I get that from that perspective. I mean, you, you, you fell victim to, to the OK Player. <laughs> they were they were definitely there. Oh, most definitely. They were they was in force, you know what I mean? And, you know, I, I just I didn't want to I didn't want my first exposure of what I was creating and I held very dear to necessarily be that that crowd because I felt that they yeah, to just put it bluntly, it's like they had to be told to like certain artists. Like and we weren't our our, our brand of hip hop. It it, it it was hard to box. It was hard to put in the box. It was like, 
Oh man, it's kind of hard to describe. It's it's it was like a little bit of Black Star mixed with a little bit of Doppelgangers mixed with a little bit of Juggernauts mixed with a little bit of Pac Div mixed with a little bit of something else, you know. And like it was just we had songs where we were rapping about being organ thieves, you know what I mean? It wasn't it wasn't your typical standard fair hip hop. I'll just put it that way. Sure, you know, but um. But back on the documentary, what did you think about some of the thoughts Big Pooh was describing about his feelings in the group and and what led to the tensions between him and Ninth and then later Fonte? Um, so the stuff between him and Ninth, I kind of knew a little bit about. I did not realize when he got sick that like Fonte never even reached out, which I thought was cold. Like even if you know we if we were ever once friends, you don't want to see nothing bad happen to somebody just because y'all not cool. And I get it. They they had a um, you know, the way the group broke up, it was it was ugly, and it, it seemed like two young men who were trying to unsuccessfully trying to communicate with one another because sometimes we just don't know how to do that and. The thing about men is that if if you force us to defend ourselves, then we will. And at that point, all conversation is pretty much going to stop because now we're fighting about what we're fighting about fighting and not about whatever the, the actual issue was. And it's sad because that's that seems to be kind of the, the demise of the group. And I was really shocked to see it go beyond that, though. Like, all right, the group broke up because Tay's like, you know, bumped these labels. Who's like, yo, I, I, nah, I think, I think we got better opportunities. Cool. Differences of opinion on the yeah. business. I can see how that was split before that to go to, yo, you can't even reach out to this man when he was near death. That, yeah. I, that was, that was cold. And, and I can applaud Pooh for being able to get past that. Because that could have very easily been, you know, that could have turned out differently. Like, I could totally see where that would be something a person would hold on to and in many ways be justified in it. But, you know, the the situation with Fife kind of putting that into perspective for him. And it still took for him to be the one to reach out. Like what I what I got from this is, you know, Fonte is a, a dope lyricist and all. He's he's a bit of an egomaniac. <laughs> yeah, I, I walked away from this documentary with with a lot more respect for Big Pooh. For um, sure. You know the way, yeah, the way he handled that situation, the way he, you know, the the the, and I I understood him like with with even with the quarrel about okay should we record this album put it out on our own or should we entertain offerings from other labels and deals from other labels and i understood but i understood where fonte was coming from too because fonte kind of already peeped the blueprint that others were doing and he knew that they could go about this a different way but you know whatever just that that was a simple disagreement but like you know the stuff too about fonte feeling that like knife wonder never respected him you know as a peer and as an artist you know, I thought that was interesting because, you know, the, the the joke, the inside joke of Little Brother Friends is that like, okay, Fonte's the main force driving this ship. 
Pooh is just along for the ride. Pooh is not as dope. And, you know, stuff like that probably got to him hearing that, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, maybe yeah, it definitely affected how Knife Wonder saw him as well. You know, and and Pooh telling like Pooh being the one tell Nine Fly, look, you 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 can't come to our shows no more. You know what I'm saying? If you not, yeah, you not performing. But um, I, I walked away with a lot of respect for Pooh after after the uh, watching the documentary. I like the animation too that they included to kind of help the narratives along. Hmm. Um, the little cartoon animations that they had. The different flashbacks, I thought that was cool. It, it, it added some levity to it as well that that I'm used to getting from them. But yeah, I, I totally get. What, what do you? What did you think about the Knife Wonder stuff? And, and the I fallout. Hate, I hate that he opted not to speak. Um, because to me, it feels like we're never going to get the full truth on that. Not to say that. You know the the guys that we got were not telling the truth but you know everything is filtered through our own perspective so the way i see it may not be the way you see it and if i'm telling the story then if the only point of view is mine then that becomes true i just would have liked to have gotten to hear from him what his perspective was like why did he have such an aversion to touring like what why did he decide or because it couldn't have just been like oh yo I'm gonna I'm do this beat with Jay-Z so I'm not coming out on tour and I know that they, the way they described it was he missed you know X number of dates and they was like yo we already got a rhythm going you know don't worry about it 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 feels like it had to have been more than that and we just never got a chance to to get his perspective on it but if it if if it actually played out exactly how we were told, night bogus. Yeah, yeah. Now, see, unlike you, I never got a chance to see them live uh, back in their heyday. Um, so I never knew that knife wasn't performing with them because I thought that was just something that happened later on down the road. And in the beginning, it was the three of them rocking, and that's what it was. Yeah, I had no idea they used a different DJ. To, to DJ their sets, you know, and it was basically like he was just knife was nothing more than an in-house producer for them as opposed to an actual m- performing member of the group. I, right. I thought that was interesting because I that I did not know. And, and the fact that knife declined to give any commentary on the documentary, I thought I could be wrong, man. Maybe there's some other factor I'm unaware of. But like, I thought that was weak. Was I thought that was weak. Here is the golden opportunity to tell your story. This this documentary is is a living well and testament, and it's going to be a brick in the in the wall on the little brother legacy. You know, like tell your story, man. Tell your side of the story, whether whether you know it's it sounds accurate or incomplete or whatever. Just just they gave you an opportunity to, to speak your piece. You know, so right. right. I, I, my personal theory was that. Knife always was kind of using Little Brother as a springboard for his solo career. You're probably right. And maybe he never wanted to be part of the group. Maybe his his goal was to only be like an in-house producer for like Justice League. Which yeah. all right, that's cool. That's there's nothing wrong with that, but 
if that's the case, then say that, right? And then, then the idea of not going on tour would have not or should not have been a big deal if your goal was always to be that. Yeah. But we're left yeah. we're left to speculate because we don't speak on it or didn't speak on it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So so we got to go by what 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 Pooh and Tay are telling us. Yeah, I, I thought that was I thought that was kind of weak, but um, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Tell your tell your story. Also, let me go back to my notes here. I'm glad I'm glad that they they got on the um the marketing issues in the group as well. Not just with how to market the group by the label because Atlantic clearly didn't know what to do with them, but like another thing that kind of added to the to the friction within the group. The promotional posters that only had Knife Wonder's face on them. That was um, wild. That was crazy. I I remember those posters too, though. I remember seeing I don't them. Know up. That I remember ever seeing that, but I could, like, I could see how or why that would have happened, and why that would piss them off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got totally see why that would piss them off. Um, yeah, things, things that, thing, things that just went over our heads at the time but i'm like wow okay yeah. um also too i thought this was interesting because i was not aware of this and it gives it kind of in a weird way gives credence to the too intelligent label i didn't know that the minstrel show theme when that album dropped it, that the theme of the album was going over people's heads and people took it as some sort of like they reacted to that album a lot of black artists reacted to that album and that theme the same way that people should have reacted to the man's hand showing bamboozle. Right. I did not know that. Did you? I had not heard anything like that. And I was I was kind of tripping. Like I can see where people might have been offended if they got it and they're like, yo, are you saying that we you know, we step in a betcha? Which they kind of were. So I can see being offended by that, but the idea that niggas actually thought that they were putting that out like <laughs> like yo who I really would like to know who the uh, who the artist is that the A&R was talking about I, I would love to know too and of course they didn't name them but like I, I, I was, was trying to think like who was on Atlantic at that time because you said it was a, a top artist on Atlantic hmm. now I'm about to google this mess yeah I was I was thinking about it at the time when I was watching it like, yeah, but it was if if you were fans of the group, you already knew about their sense of humor. You knew what where they stood musically exactly. and lyrically. So it's like, yeah, when it dropped, it was like it was clear. It was clear that this was satire. Even if you had not never heard of them, you knew that this was satire. Correct. You know, it, it was just too it too been long clear. It definitely yeah. should have been clear. Niggas is, is not the brightest. Like I wonder, and not to not to insult this person's intelligence um the person that came to mind for me was ti though mm. southern rapper he was on the atlantic at the time and he was kind of on fire in, in that moment so i'm curious not that it matters but that's that's a that's a good guess uh yeah I, it, it kind of fits yeah that's a good guess i'm looking it up now there's too many names to scroll through here but um right but yeah that that was interesting yeah that people just did not get the satire 
and then how they were saying like Atlantic just didn't know how to promote them you know the day their album came out they said they were walking through the Atlantic offices and it was just it was a rainy day a dreary day and it was just no excitement like around their album and I and I, I remember hearing that the album did not perform well sales wise which was a shocker because you know in the circle I was in it was this was a highly anticipated follow-up album like yep the listening was such a uh just a, a a awesome excellent you know pause coming out party for them we just knew like oh man what are they what are, what are they cooking up with this menstrual show thing you know like we, it was a lot of excitement around that album and when it dropped there was a lot of good things being said about it so the fact that it did so poor sales wise is just mind-boggling to me the label dropped it though like they they just like you mentioned and, and said the doctor just didn't know how to market but also like that's not the first time a major label wouldn't necessarily know what to do with the artist how about you oh i don't know let them tell you hey this is the fan response this is how we reach our people and i get that you know uh, online marketing was not really a thing at the time but if you know that the bread and butter of your artist is touring, you know, and appearances and things like that, like there's a there's a path to have marketed that album a lot better than they did. But it sounded like, you know, the label didn't really believe in them because they were so I don't know the reason. I'm gonna assume it was because they were so drastically different than what hip hop was doing at the time that they just didn't they didn't put the, the, the support behind them if they need it which yeah. I'm kind of like with, with Fonte like alright well what do we need y'all for then yeah no I get that I definitely get that you know they were they were playing examples of some of the artists that they were competing with on the radio at that time and I was mm -hmm. I was instantly thrown back in time to how whack hip hop was in the 2000s hip hop was terrible it was a very dark time in the, in the early to mid 2000s you know, it was it was a lot of artists from the south, and I'm not I'm not crapping on artists from the south at all. Nah, but you know they, they just they, happened they, to be from the south, <laughs> right? They were going with for a particular look, a particular sound, um, a particular style, and that's just what it was. You know, people people from the south, all good black music, and all good by extension, all Amer good American music came from the south right. um so southern people definitely deserve their props in giving us jazz giving us blues gospel their contributions to hip-hop i'm not trying to downplay their contributions at all but when the industry niggas is was, like oh, niggas was terrible so. <laughs> wow. yeah it, well, like okay the only thing we only box we need to check off is the city they're from being houston or atlanta or maybe New Orleans, because because Little Wayne was getting traction too, and that's it. You know, like you know, who cares if it's derivative of what a dozen other artists are also doing right now? You know, right. this is just what we gonna go with. You know what I mean? Like we need to make music that's a that's a soundtrack to capitalism and partying. You know, and there why there's nothing wrong with those things within themselves or music in that vein. That's all they were giving us. That's all they were giving us. You know, not even in a in a you know wasn't packaged any differently at all. It was just it was it was ma music made for ringtones, literally. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. Was it was there anything from the documentary you wanted to see that you didn't see? Uh definitely ninth. I would have wanted to have seen that. Um, <laughs> I think I would have wanted to hear more from the other folks that were around. Like, what did the rest of the Justice League have to say about the splitting of the group? Like, we got a little bit from Shondon, you know, Big Doe and Darren Brockington and all them, but most of them were just kind of commenting on how, you know, oh, it's just a shame. It was, it was, you know, messed up that it happened, but when they were in the middle of it, you know, because a lot of them was on the shows too, right? They was on tour. Yeah. Ninth is at home, so I, I would like to know what they had to say about it. I guess maybe they don't have no skin in the game in some ways because they're not directly in the group Little Brother, but they were around. Surely they had some some things to say. Yeah, that would have been nice. That would have been nice. For me, um, in addition to some ninth commentary, for me, what I what I kind of wanted to see more of was kind of what they did in the um, in the tribe documentary. Give us the backstory on certain how certain records came together and where y'all got the ideas for certain records. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That that would have been nice to see. Where because like I remember in the tribe documentary, like Q-Tip did a very dope breakdown of the samples he used on certain records and was playing them back on the turntable for us and everything. And I guess you probably couldn't get that level of insight without Knife Wonder's involvement. But right. that would have been been nice too, like to just kind of, man, tell us about the concept of the minstrel show. Like they touched on it a little bit, but they didn't really dive that deep into it. I want to hear more about how Percy Miracles came into being. I want to hear more about tracks like All For You, Sincerely Yours, you know, some of the more meaningful records, Slow It Down, Not Enough, you know, and that's just from the Mitchell show. Like when it came to the listening, like I, I want to I wanted to hear them talk more about like the, the process that went into to tracks like the Yo-Yo or, mm -hmm. um, you know, he was the song that made me fall in love with Little Brother. You know, uh, the listening, uh, the, not just the track, but the, but the, because <laughs> the track, the, the song itself is a bug out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Niggas ain't even out. listening. But yeah, talk talk more about the, the um, you all's thinking process and, and, and what went into the, the, the songwriting of these particular records. Um, I, I wish they could have dived more into that. Like, you know, I would have been perfectly fine with another half hour worth of footage on that documentary where they, they're just talking about the music and certain records. I would have been fine with that. Um, if you um, had to give this documentary a letter grade, what would you give it? Um, I'd give it a B. I enjoyed it very much. Um, just, you know, a little bit that I would have liked to have gotten more of, but I don't feel like it diminished anything. Like it was still a quality, quality doc, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I thought it was definitely a quality doc. It, I, you know, it, it, for the most part, gave me what I wanted, you know, um, I give it a B plus personally. Yeah. Yeah. Or the cheating skit, you know, talk about that. I mean, we, we all know if you were, if you were 
keeping up with the zeitgeist at the time like you know where a lot of these skits and records came from you know right. it was it was very much you know tongue-in-cheek poking fun at a lot of the, the trends in the industry but yeah i, I would have loved to have seen some footage of, uh, you know involving the, the the creation of those particular songs um but yeah man like like i i would recommend this this uh watching this documentary made the Laura watch which is available on youtube uh i would recommend watching you know watching it for any little brother fans like it, it's a it was a good 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 watch you know i had the day off work fortunately and um you know i was like okay let me check this out i got i got an hour and 40 minutes to kill here let me let me see what this doc talking about but yeah it was yeah. it was a good watch i agree What's going on, Spook? We got we got we got DJ Money in the Banks in the house, uh, aka the Spook who sits by the door. Pop, spooky hours. <laughs> Real quick, in five minutes or less, uh, Nick, did you see the the Little Brother May the Lord Watch documentary? What did you think of it? What did you like about it? If you saw it, and was there anything in the documentary that was not covered you would like to say? Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, it was cool to really get like background information um, about a lot of that stuff. I um I didn't know um, that basically ninth was kind of like out of there, like almost immediately <laughs> like, after the after the first. Like I didn't realize just how much Fonte and Pooh were handling that on their own. Uh, really good documentary. Um, I think the only thing that um, I think the only thing that kind of stuck was not not getting Ninth's perspective, but at the same time, like if you were on Twitter or anything around the time that uh, him and Fonte kind of got into it, um, you kind of already knew what you would get from Ninth, you know. So I feel like. Um, I mean, I do kind of wish that they would have discussed their solo endeavors a little bit more while the group was split up, but at the same time, it's about the group, it's not about them solo, so I thought that they handled that really well. It's a really interesting story on, you know, basically how him and Pooh like really weren't even like that cool in the beginning if you've seen them live like prior to the breakup like when I saw them it was basically the farewell tour and I could swear that like during the show it was like there's no way these dudes aren't friends but after the show Pooh went straight to the bar <laughs> Doe went his way Fonte was on stage signing autographs and they never crossed paths again after that. I was there after the show for like 20 minutes and they never crossed paths after that. So that was like the only hint of like, oh, you know, these dudes really may not be as cool with each other as I thought, but on stage they seem like best friends. So um, I'm still a little mad that we got robbed out in the bay. Um, when they were doing the tour for May the Laura Watch, like the venue did them dirty, so they had to go to another venue that was later in the evening. And uh, I couldn't go to the show, and then when they finally rescheduled it, then COVID happened. 
So, still a little salty about that, but yeah, that's all I got to say. Okay, okay, fair enough. You you echoed all of our sentiments. Uh, I'm sure you hear them on the pl- you'll hear it on the playback. <laughs> you, you, you should you should never say five minutes or less with me because you're gonna get twenty. <laughs> <laughs> no, you you stuck to it, man. You stuck to it. You. You're sticking to those those council points well. <laughs> Fine, man. Then stress and modulation, brother. Send stress and modulation. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, you you echoed our sentiments. Um, yeah, 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 pretty much. All right. So switch your gears real quick. Before we get into our own face off, I don't want to spend too much time on this. There's been a, li- a little controversy with uh, T.I. Sun King. I guess there was a social media post that went viral where he's arguing back and forth with his father T.I. and his, his mother Tiny about uh, wanting to have a rap career and um, you know they're kind of questioning his his uh, I guess you could say the image that he's portraying as a as the dude that's harder than he actually is and you know very messy post very messy stuff here um yeah. Because it ended up with T.I. putting his hands on the dude, um, on, his, on his son. And, you know, when it comes to family squabbles, you know, I, 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 I allow a lot more uh, grace, you can say, when it comes to family squabbles than, like, you know, two, two professional dudes getting into it physically. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I've been in my fair share of family squabbles, but... Where do y'all stand on this? Do you, do you think dude's son is just a clown that's trying to, you know, perpetuate an image that he needs to stay away from for his own safety? Do you think that... Or do you think the, the, the kid has a point? Nah, he's a sucker. You're going to get him some like, claps someday. Yep. Or locked up. Um, I got a little cousin right now that's that's in a similar situation just wanted to be you know he's trying to get a rap game he wanted to be hard and then it's like bro your whole life has been one of, of relative privilege like you ain't you're not of that and uh yeah found himself in a bad situation he on one of them state sponsor vacations now you know from from wanting to be wanting to be hard like the thing about street life is, <laughs> and it's something my mama used to tell us when we were kids. It's like you're gonna be the one, you know, if you if you find yourself trying to chase after that, you're gonna be the one that does the send off. She didn't say send off, but basically that's what you're saying. You know, people been moving in this space, so they know how to move. You just coming into it. This ain't this ain't natural to you. This is something you have to learn. Yeah. So if it goes down, you gonna be the one that's holding the bag because you don't you don't know how to move, and that's what's gonna end up happening to little dude. Yeah, it's 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 kind of, and you know, yeah, I went through the same thing, Jamil. Like growing up on the south side of Chicago, you know, you 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 learn certain things very quickly, you know, and I'm Absolutely. sure it's the, I'm sure it's the same out in Oakland where Nick is at, and you learn very quickly, like. Okay, the people who do this stuff, they they're doing it out of necessity as opposed to they just want to be criminals. Like, I know plenty of people who had to do that life, and some were successful at it, some weren't. Some 
Some are in prison. Some a lot are dead. Um, mm-hmm. Real, yeah. real quick, Ian. Yeah. Um, to avoid any instances of me getting clapped, I'm not <laughs> from. <laughs> I'm not from <laughs> Oakland. I'm from San Jose, which is not too far from Oakland, but definitely not as dangerous. So I just wanted to <laughs> clarify. <laughs> You're right. I don't want no smoke. I don't want no smoke out on the West Coast. They no. like, man, who, 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 who he, who he, he, he ain't out in these streets. He perpetrating. Ex- yeah, I don't exactly. Want no- yeah, yeah. I'm uh, definitely not out in those streets. <laughs> I don't want no trouble for you, but yeah, no, we was, you know, man, we was in the trenches, man. And, and I, 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 but I also want to state too, my parents did a very good job of keeping me insulated from a lot of stuff. So, right. you know, I, w- I never had to be in the streets, but I had plenty of kids on my block I played with and other friends in school who were doing stuff that they been involved in stuff but like you know it's it's this this whole thing with T.I. Sun has kind of sparked this other conversation of like kids growing up with privilege thinking that's the way to be and I don't know I mean I don't know if we have enough time to even cover it in this segment you know but to me that it, it, it becomes a question of who do you blame? Do you blame the music? Do you blame the parents? It's like, because you know his parents brought him up in the most, uh, as they put it, the most privileged environment. But yet he's still trying to latch one of this street stuff. Is that a problem with the music? Did, did our generation not do a good enough job of being like, yo, this is just entertainment. This is just an image. Like, I would hate to have raised my son a certain way just to see him gravitate toward that. I feel like it had to be people he was around too. Like we can't, um, you can't put the blame on Ti and Tiny because they got a whole other kid, Damani, who don't even act like that. You know, no. like like he like his he's a spitter. You know, like so he showed where his influence was. I think you know it, it's it's just like you know sometimes in certain situations, no matter. How well you try to raise a kid, um, they just end up taking their own route, and sometimes it ain't a good route, you know. Um, but right. you can only put it on the parents so much because I, <laughs> as many big words as Ti uses with normal people, he had to be using the big <laughs> words with his kid. <laughs> so you know, it, it he just. You know, his his son is just a knucklehead. He's probably gonna learn the worst way possible. You you don't hope for that because no matter how knuckleheaded kids are, you don't hope for like nothing bad to happen to him. But um, if if he you can see it, yeah. If if Ti can't expeditiously talk his son out of this, like expeditiously, um, <laughs> <laughs> then he's just. That he's just gonna learn in a loquacious way. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Snowfall. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know. Um, yeah, I, and then he played devil's advocate for a brief second. Like, is 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 growing up with money just not enough? Like, okay, we know he grew up with money, but is it also like? The, the presence of the parents is that being understated here too you know because with when you, when the parents are around they're around to give guidance you're more inclined to listen to people who are around more than those who are not 
So could it be a case of like they just threw money at their problems and tried to let the money raise the kids and it was this hole in his heart that like wasn't being filled because T.I. was off touring all the time or, you know, taking care of the stuff in the music business or maybe even being in jail. And it was the same thing with Tiny. So he didn't spend a whole, whole lot of time around them despite being financially taken care of. That's possible. Should be a part of it. But how does one, like, uh, as Nick brought up, the money, you know, was in the same household and he's he's moving a little bit differently. Um, I think there's something to the, I don't know if he's the youngest. I know he's younger, though, but there's something, and this obviously is not an absolute and it doesn't go completely across the board, but I think when you're from a larger family in particular um like the youngest kids tend to have a different perspective on life because they're the ones that did not have anybody else to be responsible for other than themselves older siblings especially in large families like that just gets thrown on you if you're the oldest of say four you were a babysitter like that's just kind of how that works so you grow up having to be responsible for other people so it just kind of affects the way that you that you see the world and the way that you move um and i wonder if there's part of that too obviously there's a there's a gumbo of things that that kind of lead to it and maybe do just you know just is intrigued by the, the the street tales you know that that doesn't make him terribly unique um I guess what does make it unique is you got bread already. So it's <laughs> so the yeah. intrigue of the streets really shouldn't have the same appeal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like who is this for, bro? Cuz it ain't for you cuz you don't you don't need to do this stuff. Right. You right. Know? <laughs> like, like so that that's what makes me think it's like it, it, did he did he just take in all the wrong lessons from rap music? And now he's just spitting them back out. He's relating to the coach the only way he he knows how to. You know, I don't know. I I don't have the answers. I don't have the answers. Um, yeah. But it's it's a bad look. Uh, I think it deserves a deeper conversation as far as like where the culture is right now, where the music is, and how we're the state that it's in, and how we're handing it to the, the, the to the next generation. You know, and what lessons that they're learning from us, you know, um, you know, but that's a deeper conversation and we have time for, unfortunately, but um, we can get into that on an, on another show, most definitely, because I didn't even touch on Michael Irvin's son. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, the very similar situation. All right. Let's dive right into our album face off for the week, man. Jamil, I, I I know this is probably a good one for you because you, uh, one of these groups is from Chicago, is from home, and I know you got a chance to to come back home recently. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, enjoy, enjoy some time with the fam. So, you know, hopefully these put you in a Chicago state of mind. But one of these groups is actually from Flint, Michigan, and the other one is from Chicago. But it is a underground group battle. Chicago's own All Natural with their album Second Nature is <clears throat> going up against. Masters of the Universe by Binary Star. 
now in one corner with the second nature this was the second album from all natural it was released april 24 2001 on thrill jockey uh records it clocks in at 19 tracks in 74 minutes and was produced by tone b nimble jay rawls and the moment and then in the other corner with masters of the universe by binary star this was also their second album uh, it was released October 31st, 2000 on Subterraneous Records. It clocks in at 24 tracks in 72 minutes and was produced by One Man Army, Decomposed, and Cinem Silla. Man, both these albums were over 70 minutes. That's crazy. They, they definitely felt it, though. But um, I will give it up to you all, man, in this underground throwdown. Between these two albums, which one were y'all feeling more and why? I get a floor to you first, Nick. Oh, man. So, <laughs> so you just said something that may have completely thrown off uh, <laughs> one of my initial thoughts. Um, but I, I'll get to that later. Um, so, I start with All Natural, Second Nature. Um, yeah, when I first... Um, like I told you, um, this is two of my favorite albums ever. Like, like these two albums both did something to me when I was coming up. Um, um, when they first dropped, it was around that very early time when um, when the underground was starting to blow up more, and that was also around the time that I started discovering more underground acts like. Um, after Living Legends, I started discovering other cats such as Binary Star, All Natural. Um, I'm going to leave Anacon out of that, but. Um, <laughs> I don't um, like that ish. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, anyway, um, it's funny because. Um, <laughs> It's funny hearing Capital D rhyme because of the fact that he's the uh, executive with the Warriors now. I don't know if y'all knew that. <laughs> yeah. I found it out through you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it, it's, it's pretty funny. Um, they I don't know. Maybe I found did, it out through uh, Jason. I think Jason told me. Um, it's funny. They did, um, not too long ago, they did like a, a recording of a song or a freestyle in the um, Oakland Arena. I think it was Souls and Mischief, uh, or not Oakland Arena, in the Chase Center. I think it was Souls and Mischief, E40, uh, Cap D, and for some reason, I think Juice was involved Juice. too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Juice was on that. So yeah, so it was it was actually pretty dope. It was pretty dope, but um. Yeah, uh, Cap D is definitely interesting as an MC. Like he has like a, a very very deep baritone type voice, kind of like Charlie Tuna. Um, but when you see him, he's like a, a, a skinny light skinned dude. Um, so it's definitely like a don't judge a, a book by its cover type thing. Because I could have swore he was gonna be like this like tall super dark dude the first time i heard because i didn't hear the um first album i only heard this one and of course you know the first album's cover has both of them on it but this one doesn't so i had no idea what these dudes look like until later on um 
Tone Be Nimble is nice as a DJ. His cuts on this album were like very, very fire. Um, I think Cap D's flow on Think Again was ridiculous, like absolutely ridiculous. Um, I like the um, instrumental interlude on this, The Next Mile. Um, it definitely inspired many ciphers back in the day with my crew. Um, uh, shout out to um, Inspire Utterances. Um, so, <laughs> I remember listening to the track Vegetarian. I was thinking, like, uh, just as a joke, I'm like, yeah, you could tell these cats had to be early vegetarians at the time because they sounded really mad on that record. It had to be like <laughs> early on. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you come to the track Mr. Sexy which really had me cracking up because if they thought it was bad in 2001 <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> you come Nigga. to like I think in 2001 was prior to skinny jeans and that was the worst thing in the world it seemed like and now like I I, I, I don't I don't want vibes and stuff to get canceled, so I'm not gonna go on that. <laughs> hey man, go I, I know how to use the edit button. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let, let's just say fingernail painting. Um, they dams. Yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna go any further. <laughs> um, I want to shout out Ill Advisory and Chatham. Um, not just because of Juice, because Juice went ham on Ill Advisory, but um, like when I first heard these two tracks, um, it didn't really have no effect on me besides, oh, Cap D and Juice went off on Ill Advisory. But um, with the connections with Cats I've made over the pandemic, um, Cats from Chicago, um, you know, there's my Chicago brothers and sisters that I've been connecting over the last couple of years. Um, I really appreciated these two records because these references um, that I didn't get back then, like I, I start to get them now. Um, I want to shout out a few people. Um, I want to shout out the homie DJ Jay Jonah. Um, I want to shout out DJ Fam, who uh, I first heard about High Park from him. So. Hearing them talk about Hyde Park on this immediately made me think of fam. Um, also, Hyde Park, shout out. Hyde Park was the HQ real quick. The Hyde Park was HQ for like hip hop heads on the South Side. Yeah, yeah, where <laughs> yeah, it sound, it sound, it sound like um, Berkeley and, and Telegraph over here. <laughs> um, also, want to shout out uh, the homegirl Leatrice. Herman, who I first heard about Lakeshore Drive from, um, I can remember seeing her make references to, <laughs> she say LSD, and I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> right. <laughs> and now you know about Lakeshore Drive. Of course, shout out Vibes and stuff, as well as Rob the Magnif. Um, I take something from all of y'all in terms of, you know, like hearing the backstories of you know how chicago was and how chicago is now um i don't feel like i provide the same thing <laughs> because i'm kind of in the middle ground where not much happens but i do appreciate being a sponge to that um over the last few years um 
And off the bat, just hearing Juice, I immediately had to start thinking about what my favorite Juice records were. So um, I want to shout out sincerely the Unsigned, um, Unrational, mm-hmm. as well oh, as yeah. the, yeah, as well as the. Let me make sure no one else is out here real quick. The um, Nasty Nigga Freestyle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That yeah, that was cool. from oh man, dude, that was from the moment uh series. Um yeah, I think that was from Chicago City Limits, original of the moment, one of the two. Um yeah, yeah, shout out to those records, most definitely. Shout out to the Chatham congregation where me, Rodney, and Jamil all met each other. Yeah, oh, yeah. that's what's up. <laughs> yep. That's yep. what's up, man. Shout out to Chatham Congregation, man. Um, let's see what else. I was a huge Atmosphere fan back in the day when I first heard this album. So uh, to hear Slug on this record on Uncle Sam um, and the concept of them speaking about Uncle Sam and Uncle Tom as actual people and people who have had actual actions that affected the community, I thought that was a really dope concept. Um, Revisiting this album was cool because, like, um, my memory has been shot over the last few years. So when I started instantly remembering verses and saying them word for word, it made me smile. Like I ain't, I ain't that washed yet. Like <laughs> I can still, <laughs> I can still remember some things. Um, but that just brings me to Renaissance. Renaissance was the song that first introduced me to All Natural. Um, I remember the first time I heard that song was on college radio out here. And my mom was in the car with me. And she actually really liked this song too at the time. She probably won't admit it now, but she really liked this song at the time because you had the piano, the dope production on it. Um, I think for the most part it's clean. You know, I it's think it's a very wholesome like, record. Yeah, I think there may be like one curse word in it, but for the most part, I mean, she also she also liked the fact that he said, "I'm trying to find find a way to unwind without no weed and wine." Like she liked that. Like she was like. Yeah, if my son listens to this, like maybe I ain't got to worry about it, you know? <laughs> right. So, you know, it, it's one of those songs that she accepted back in the day. And so I've always had super love for that song. Um, just as a negative, it feels like some of the songs in the first half of this album are really like long pause. Um, it, it feels like they could have cut some of them off. Like I, I, I feel like they gave some people too many guest verses. I don't um, disagree with you there. <laughs> but the second half don't feel that way. The second half, it feels like the guest verses on the second half were all properly placed. They didn't put anybody on there who seemed like they shouldn't have been. And the songs weren't that super duper long. So I, I feel like the second half probably rode a bit easier than the first half did so um now to move on to binary star um i think i picked both of these albums up around the same time and binary star 
their album just is like a truck running you over. Like it's just like immediately reality check to me. Reality check is one of the greatest intros ever in the album. I put it up there. I put. I'm not gonna lie. I put it up there with intro off of "It's Dark and Hell Is Night." Like to me, like off the bat, it tells you exactly what you're getting into, um, what these cats are about, and yeah, it, it, it's just one of the most incredible records ever to me to start it off with. So the first three songs on this album are so energetic, from beats to rhymes to the cuts. It's like they're giving you their mission statement, and their mission statement is "We are better than you in every way." <laughs> like that's just how it. That's just how it came off. Like we we are better than you. We rap better than you. We probably do beats better than you. Like we just are bulldozing this thing. Um, Let's talk about the song Fellowship. This is one of the early, if not first, appearances of the Athletic Mike League, um, which includes uh, Buff One, aka Jamal Buffer, uh, Fortune KT, who's been one of my favorite producers for a minute, and the singer Mayor Hawthorne is actually a member of Athletic Mike League as well. Um, so I've been a fan of these cats for a while. So getting an early glimpse of what Athletic Mike League was like back then was pretty dope. Um, I hadn't discovered Buff 1014, KT, or Mayor Hawthorne until after I heard this album. So revisiting it, actually knowing who they are, having interacted with them in person before was pretty cool. It's like, oh yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's Athletic Mike League, like nice. Um, the track New Hip Hop actually led me, was the track that led me to Ahmad Jamal, because this was the first time I heard Point Sienna, because um, it's the song that sampled on this. And so um, that song opened a whole new you know, door for me in terms of jazz, because like, I didn't know who Ahmad Jamal was back then. I just knew um, that I really liked how that sample sounded. And then when I suddenly discovered the song, I'm like, oh, this is that Binary Star sample. Who is this? Ahmad Jamal. And then all of a sudden, it just took me down this whole line of, of Ahmad Jamal, which eventually led me to I Love Music, which is the world is yours sample from Nas. So um, do your Googles if you don't know about Ahmad Jamal. Um, it's funny. This point may be a little bit null and void, but I felt like there was an energy on this album that isn't on second nature. At the time, I believe that Masters of the Universe was Binary Star's first album, but Waterworld was their first album. But they say that Masters of the Universe is actually like a remixed, redone version of Waterworld, so it's kind of like an album and a half. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it felt like there was more of a subdued energy on Second Nature, you know, because it's their second album. Um, you know, maybe Binary Star had more to prove on this album than All Natural did. But that's not to dismay Second Nature at all. Um, you know, both of these albums are incredible. Um, I had never heard a prison story as realistic 
until I heard I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings, both of them. Um, it, it seemed like just a story of cats who, you know, they weren't necessarily trying to do bad stuff. They just ended up on that path and then they ended up in prison. It wasn't, no, I'm being tough. I'm making, I'm making dudes wash my drawers in here. It was more like, I'm scared. I'm kind of scared in here. <laughs> you know, I'm seeing some craziness in here. Like, like once I get out, I'm done with this life type stuff like that. Like, you know, you, you never really heard realistic prison stories like that until this album to me. Um, Ian, I saw what you were doing with this because you had two albums with the fire juice verse. I think you were just looking to get juice in the face off if it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> I've been trying hard. I have not been able to finagle it yet because of the prejudices of DSPs. So I don't know. I might have to we might have to resort to YouTube music on a juice face off. I hear you. I hear you. Um in the in the conclude of this um, review of Masters in the Universe, I absolutely love Solar Power in Indy 500. I don't really need to say anything further. Incredible records. <laughs> um, and so as far as which album I chose, I think I'm gonna wait until I hear y'all. <laughs> Oh wow! You said oh, honest. No. Say that. Oh no! Oh no! No, that's <laughs> this man. I could not choose, man. I could not choose at all. Like I tried to, and it was just like I can't. <laughs> I'm like I just can't. I love both of these the same. Like it, it, I don't even. I can't even really be like, oh, this is where Second Nature pulls ahead. Oh, this is where Masters of the Universe pulls ahead. To me, they're both just neck and neck in dopeness, and I'm stuck. So I want to see what y'all think. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, you take it away, Jamil, because I, I definitely got a winner. Um, this one was really difficult for me because. Like you mentioned, you know, on that, uh, it's coming from from home, but um, also, like I'm team on that with just about everything, because you know my people um, used to rock with Tone, well, actually still does. So when when Tone started working for the Warriors, like my people was was telling me about it all in the works and so now they they doing a lot over there so i'm, I'm kind of plugged into that now kind of been plugged into what all that is doing so it always is kind of not that i was in any way a part of what they were doing um but it was definitely in my orbit like the whole time and i was like 18 when it dropped so i was in the thick of it like this was this was prime sneaking in the Sneaking in the clubs and, and Wicker Park time, like I won't. I was about to almost in, uh, incriminate some folks, but <laughs> right. uh, shout out to the DJs whose whose records I would carry in, and um, yeah, just be in the spot. You know what I'm saying? Once once I'm in, I'm in. No ID required when you <laughs> you know when the club ain't open. You just you just working. So um, that this 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 album definitely took me back to a time. Real um, quick, just, yeah. That, 
that's kind of that's kind of ironic that you said no ID is required in the club in Chicago anyway. Right, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> Good one. Yeah, so that was it. Was really hard for me to separate the music from the emotion uh, emotions attached to it or memories attached to it. Um, aside from the record just being a dope one, like I don't want to belabor the point because I think Nick did a really good job of, of you know, reviewing them both and very much so, you know, neck and neck is kind of hard to choose one. I think it ultimately comes down to personal taste. Um, with the with the master of the universe, like it's just kick the dough in, hip hop, uh, <laughs> describing it as like a truck running you over. It's, pretty doggone accurate um and y'all know i'm a sucker for a posse cut so i'm gonna close the album out with kgb um yeah i was i was in that and, and tell me you gonna put elza and juice on the same track i'm sold Ooh. and wow. one shot and, and one and, below and shout out to um <laughs> i may not have been a fan of this dude later on but the dude lax who had the um who had the the hardest uh, punchline on that in my opinion when he said to make you pop the tape out and inspect the deck as if you were down with the risen yeah yeah <laughs> that was cold that was cold <laughs> that was wild that dude lax he went on to go by the name Tarak, and he did a project with blue called crass um y'all probably heard oh that's to rock yeah, i didn't Tarak. realize that yep that's to rock huh that's definitely his voice as soon as you said it yep wow that's that's crazy and that is why i come on the show people yes indeed <laughs> That's why we have you, you on talking the about show. You didn't. I was trying to say, you talking about you don't, you don't add nothing. That, it's jewels like that that the audience needs and and, and the co-hosts. <laughs> respect, respect. Yeah, so I'm not going to belabor it, man. It, like I said, it comes down to, to personal preference, and I've, I've kind of mentioned my my affinity for everything all that. So, um, absolutely, Universe has got my vote for this one. <laughs> and it was tough. That was hard for me. That was hard for me. But I think just as a pure exercise in music, like devoid of anything else, just the music alone, which is not really how any of us experience music. It's, 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 it tends to be, you know, all of the uh, encompassing feelings and everything else that like, that's how we consume it. It's not just sound. Um, but if I just strip it down to that, I feel like the binary star was just a better project by a smidge and and, and only because it was just it was hard the <laughs> pause it was it was like consistently there I think the only the only song that I could really think of that I, I wasn't really rocking with like that was the um the binary shuffle that felt like it was supposed to be a BET single and I, I was like ah I see where you're Same. going with this. I'm not feeling it. Same. <laughs> Very much the same feeling. Wow. But shout, wow. To, shout, shout to Queens Get the Money, though. Like, that's probably my favorite song on um, on the second major joint. Like, that one still gets crazy rotation for me. Absolutely. Deservedly so, man. Wow, this was hard for me, too. Pause. Like... <laughs> 
I love both these albums. I have a ton of, you know, nostalgia tied up with both these albums, where I was on my life when I bought them. To be 16, 17, 18, however old I was when I copped these. Because I definitely copped, copped the All Natural first. And I think I was out of high school by the time I, I copped the Binary Star. But, like, just where I was in my life and, like, you know, growing as a person, getting into groups like this, connecting with, with, the, with the subject matter, and particularly on the, on the All Natural. It was just, it was a great trip down memory lane. It's, it's, it's funny, y'all described it very aptly, but yeah, the Binary Star is a very high energy album, whereas the All Natural is a very mellowed out album. So it's like, mm-hmm. sonically, both albums are trying to do two different things and they have two different moods, but <clears throat> there's some hard cuts, pause on the All Nat as well that I, I forgot about till I, I went back and listened to it. I forgot how dope vegetarian was i forgot how dope chatham was i forgot even mr sexy got a little bit of a hard edge to it um tracks like stellar man his third verse on stellar is just it's stellar (laughs) the the, the over and under rhyme scheme that he went with throughout that whole verse flipping the word over and flipping the word under it's just that was masterful mcn right there that was masterful lyricism um here's the hate on chicago even with the skits and interludes it just everything just worked it fell in in place in all the right spots on the album you know the hate on chicago that was definitely a skit that resonated with me a lot of hate we got just not being new yorkers at the time like gotta remember man back then like new york had like the they had the monopoly on independent hip-hop like yeah you had other areas like la and the bay doing their thing too with with hyro and project load and stuff but for the most part man you had to be from new york if you were an underground artist to to really get any real respect and that was that was whack because plenty of them was doing whack stuff it's like yeah chicago we had a whole nother scene man we had a no whole nother ecosystem that was thriving at this time and you know, listening to this album takes me back to that time and place where, like, we had a very healthy, bubbling, independent hip hop scene, and the the, the binary starto was like very influential to me. I, I talked about <clears throat> around, you know, this was around the time I, I started recording myself, and um, I talked about it a little earlier with Jamil, but like during that whole process, this was Masters of the Universe was in constant rotation for me. Like it was a very influential album. One Below was one of those dudes who just made rhyming look easy but hard at the same time. It was like, mm-hmm. it was like, man, I gotta, I gotta write a verse like he would write it, or I gotta, I gotta be able to flip as many internal rhyme schemes within a sixteen-bar verse that he's doing. It's like he really is a dude you should study, man, when it comes to lyricism. So this was great, man. Like for me, it came down to how well these albums aged. They came out six months apart. So for me, it came down to how well they aged. And for me, that's why I'm giving the edge to the all natural. Mm. Um, I'm not trying to be a homer here, but I felt the all natural was just way more consistent. You know, as I'm thinking about tracks like Chatham, Vegetarian, 
queens get the money mr sexy y'all already talked about renaissance that made me a lone catalyst fan because after i heard this record i was like yo who are these dudes who's lone catalyst then i got put on the hip-hop then i got put on to the catalyst files actually the other way around i got put on the catalyst files first jay rawls ended up being one of my favorite producers after this uh stellar i already talked about that we ain't even talked about elements of style We ain't even talked about Return of the Avenger. Oh, we ain't even talked yeah. about we ain't even talked about ill advisory. Like, and y'all already talked about Uncle Sam, which is, was a very well executed conceptual track. Yeah, it it, it edged it out. I, I just I felt like the highs on bin, on the binary star the the highs were higher than the highs on the all natural. But the all natural was so consistent, it just had more highs, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's like, do they have a, a song better than Reality Check? Not really. But everything else. But they just, also, yeah. Yeah, they it's just so dang good. They also don't have a binary shuffle. <laughs> right. <laughs> very true. Very true. And that was, that was something I did take points away from. It was like, it wasn't just that. It was binary shuffle, and I want to say slang blade. Was it slang blade? Mm. It was another one. I can't remember. It was not evolution of man. But there was there was a there were a couple of tracks on here that just felt like a very dated underground call to arms, so to speak. Like, but after having some time away from the record hearing these songs again they they just sounded dated in a bad way and they sounded some of the hooks were a little corny you know and a little too and a little too preachy to be quite honest but this is an outstanding album this is one of those face-offs where the listeners win no matter who you like better the listeners win both these are classics both these are outstandingly high quality hip-hop like it's an embarrassment of riches here as far as quality song. Like, because on the other end, you got the KGB, you got Wolfman Jack, you got Glenn Close, you got uh, Conquistadors, Reality Check, Solar Power. Like, it's just so many good songs on both these albums. But I felt I felt the 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 all natural was a little bit more consistent and had aged a little well. Like. I dug the interludes on Second Nature, whereas I didn't really dig the interludes on Masters of the Universe. So it was tight, man. It was tight, but whew, I, I, I got to go with All Natural. I, I, and maybe it was the mood I was in this week, too. I was just in the mood to be mellowed out, you know, and not get run over by a truck. But uh, <laughs> so that, that's probably having a bit to do with why I, I'm voting for second nature as well but uh i give it back up to you nick <clears throat> oh man <laughs> i had a feeling this was gonna happen i was gonna end up in a tiebreaker situation you did it um, to yourself <laughs> i know i did right <laughs> you sign sign on the dotted line you about to mess up but you know you're gonna mess up right? <laughs> Um, in the end, for me, I'm trying to just go with, there was one song that has been stuck in my head since listening to both of these albums back to back, 
and I already shouted it out towards the end. Solar powered. So I think just based off of that, I gotta go with Masters of the Universe. Mm. Bang bang. <laughs> hey man, there there are no losers here, man. Like that's real. That's real. Both no, these there albums are losers. Are... There are losers. People who have never heard these albums until today, they're the losers. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. All right. So there you have it, man. We got two for Masters of the Universe, one for Second Nature. I did not expect it to go that way. I thought I thought going in, I was like, man, ain't no way anything's going to be better than Masters of the Universe, even though they're from the crib. And I knew Jamil was definitely going to gonna um, go, go with it. Go with the homer, but then I thought about. It. I'm like, oh, they from the east. They from east of the expressway, so he might not rock it now. It might, it might be after east siders still on Jamil's end. <laughs> but they don't, they don't really behave like east siders, you know. They don't. They don't. They don't. And I tend to think of them more in a in a north side context anyway, mm. just because that's where the that's where the the parties was happening. It, 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 the red dog and sub T and the note and all that. That's true. That's true. Yeah, but even though they were, they were primarily from Hyde Park, but mm-hmm. um, okay, Hyde then. Park I also don't consider as part of the East Side, even though I know that makes no logical sense. <laughs> the East Side and south of Sixty Seventh Street. Uh, let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> it is a different breed over there. <laughs> but all right let's go ahead let's cap off this episode like we always do with another segment of what you're bumping where we invite y'all to share with the listeners what you've been bumping for the past week or so uh, so Nick, man, sixty seconds or less. What's your game about? All right, so that means I got seven minutes, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, what have I been? Um, I've been listening to that album "Burning Desire" by the dude Mike. Um, oh, what did you think I never of really, it? I, I actually liked it. I never really heard of this dude, so like when I first like when um the reason why I listened to it is because I'd be all up in the Griselda um, uh, Reddit page, and um, a lot of the haters of the West Side Gun album kept saying this album was better, so. <laughs> I was like, let me check it out, and I, I, I liked it. It wasn't too bad. Um, I'm really not like a big fan of those type of Earl sweatshirt. I sound like I'm blunted all the time, rappers, but like Mike was actually pretty dope. Um, so of course, bumping that Quaranta, that Danny Brown, the <laughs> the the grown man Danny Brown album. Um, what did you think? I, I, I loved it. I loved it. Um, I actually went back to Atrocity Exhibition, and I couldn't finish Atrocity Exhibition. <laughs> I, I, I could. You know why? You know why? Because it felt like I was like watching a friend who had finally got clean, 
So I was like, even though this album, even though this album came out before, I still was like, I can't listen to this. Like it's like I'm supporting him backsliding. Like I can't do it. <laughs> so I, I I couldn't I couldn't rock with it. <laughs> um, just real quick, I was bumping that uh, Boys to Men two album. Um, I was, I took my daughter to like Legoland one day and there was this cat who was wearing a shirt that had all the song titles from this album. And oh, wow. I was like, I, I was like, I, I gotta check that out. I love Vibin'. Like Vibin' is like one of my favorite records. And so I was listening to that. Um, I was bumping that new Living Legends album, The Return. I actually really enjoyed that album. Um, it's dope to hear the legends back, even though No Mercy still sounds very odd, but it's dope to hear the rest of them come back together. Going through the face-off, I ended up bumping that Bad Neighbor by M.E.D., Blue, and Mad Lib. Um, I remember I listened to that when it first came out, and I didn't care for it, and I listened to it now, and I loved it, so <laughs> it's funny how that works. Um, and last but not least, I was bumping that Illadelf Half-Life by The Roots. Shout-outs to what had happened was. Mm. Ah, okay, okay. All right, Jamil, man. This week, what you been bumping? Uh, so I was bumping this on uh, Rebecca Reed, Selected Works, Volume 1. It's like, a, um, it's like an African composer by way of the UK. It's pretty, pretty dope. Like neoclassical. iTube is bumping a Quaranta. I haven't gotten all the way through it yet. Um, I'm, I'm really taking my time with it just to kind of digest it because I'm just not used to Danny Brown in this space. I like it. It's, it's kind of jarring though. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it, but I'm, I'm taking it a little bit at a time. Uh, also, was bumping that Ghostface, the Pretty Tony album. Uh, and little brother made a lord watch because I had to. Of course, of course. I've been meaning to revisit that since the <laughs> since the documentary, but I haven't gotten around to it. I think now's the week. Yes, sir. All right, for myself, I was kind of reaching back this week. I was bumping Mob Deeps to Infamous. I was bumping <clears throat> uh, Method Man and Red Man Blackout. I was bumping uh, Red Man Muddy Waters, Jizza Liquid Swords. It finally turned into wintertime out here, so I, I was you reaching. You just feel like reaching. putting Tim's in a hoodie, hoodie on right now, huh? Man, dude, I got on Tim's right now. <laughs> <laughs> I got on, I got on, pause, I got on a t-shirt, pajama sweats, and Tim's right now. So that's what time it is right now. That um, is wild. <laughs> <laughs> I got. I was bumping Jizzalik with Swords. Uh, as far as new music, I was bumping Danny Brown, Coranza Steel, uh, Best Bar of the Album. I got a Mexican homie named Chinese Mike. I don't know why that's so funny to me. Because <laughs> so Danny Brown would have a Mexican homie named Chinese Mike. <laughs> oh man you know what line really made me crack up off of that was the line where he talks about uh um what <laughs> how you have to sell your soul for rock and roll but what you yeah. gotta sell for rap that had me dying for some yeah 
Yeah. And I was Ta-da. bumping. Uh. <laughs> take that, take that. Take that, take that. <laughs> He's on what? Number three? Number accusation number three? Yeah. yeah him and Aaron Hall, man. They was they was doing dirt together. And I was that also was good. I was bumping Blockhead, his new album, The Aux. Um, man, I was not expecting this album to be that as good as it was. Um, it might land on my top ten for the year. I gotta spend a little bit more That's time. Good. With wow, it. what's I, what's the title again? The Ox A A U X, like the core. Oh, okay. Um, I'm gonna spend a little bit more time with it, but I was I was not expecting it to be this good. Uh, I really wasn't, but uh, but yeah, man. That's what I've been bumping. Jamil, you got any album anniversaries for us before we get out of here? Yeah, man. It's quite a few. I'll try to go through them quick. Um, celebrating five years this week. Uh, you got J.I.D. with DiCaprio 2, uh, Earl Sweatshirt with some rap songs, and um, this local MC that not a lot of people have heard of, uh, Tyreek Ty- Trotter, I think, uh, with Streams of Thought 2. <laughs> Celebrating five years this week. Oh snap! That's five years old. It's crazy, right? I remember when we did the uh, the review of it. I know, I know. Yep, still on the channel. Check it out. Yes, indeed. Bad sound um, quality and everything. Right. <laughs> uh, celebrating fifteen years, Kanye, eight oh eight, and heartbreak. Uh, this was the beginning of the end for Mr. West after Donda died. He started to go unhinged. Yeah. Yep. Less said about that, the better. Yep. Uh, celebrating 20 years this week. Missy Elliott, this is not a test. Uh, celebrating wow. 30 years. 25? Yeah. Dell with uh, No Need for Alarm. Yeah. And Snoop Dogg, doggy style. From the Bay to LA. To LA, West Coast, West Coast was killing it that week. And those albums dropped the same day. Oh wow! Wow, man, you got some got some classics in there, man. Yeah, I got some heavy hitters this week, and, and more was, to come. I was hey, also no need for alarm. <laughs> no need for alarm. That's all I'm gonna say. I was also bumping <clears throat> bumping ninety three to my infinity this week too, just because. I thought I had an unpopular opinion about that album I was going to share next week just to just to piss Nick off. But <laughs> upon further review, I'll make, I, I, re, I'll I retract. Sure. I retract. I I'll retract sure my opinion. My, my unpopular opinion. <laughs> retract it before you even put it on wax. That's hilarious. You know what? I, I had this thought in my head. It was like, you know what? This is a cool album and everything, but like I only remember four good songs off the joint. So I, tripping, tripping. I, I was like, that can't be right, right? You know, and so I, I, I went back and listened to it. Yeah, I was wrong. I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just remembering for it don't mean it was only four. That's for sure. <laughs> but um, but yeah, yeah, that, that's that's why we throw them out there so we can't argue them. You know, it's it's fun to for argue. Sure. But uh, man, gentlemen, I thank y'all. Uh, for carving out some time uh, to hop on and make the show what it is. We will be back next week. Next Monday, that is. Same bad time, same bad channel. 
I look forward to having a special guest on for that show. Also, too, man, be on the lookout for... They'll probably drop in another week or two, but be on the lookout for the uh, the, the voting ballots for um, the annual year-end show. So awesome. it's the show where we, we vote on lyricists of the year, album of the year, video of the year, you know, the whole nine, the whole nine. So be on the lookout for that to drop. I just, I don't want to do the show too soon and then like Nas drop like a classic, like on like Christmas. Yeah, that nigga did that to us Which, twice already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like rats, you know what I mean? Or or like what happened last year when like I heard Rita J's High Priestess album like on January 2nd. Right. And it was like, yo, this would have easily made my top 10, but we had already did the show. You know, or Jay-Z decides to release an actual good album with two hours left in the year. I, I, I have I have no worries about that happening. <laughs> Who's dropping a, a good album? Jay-Z. Oh, nah, you you can forget that. Jay-Z only drops albums a certain time of the year. I think he only drops albums in like the fall, so <clears throat> Yeah, yeah. I never thought I'd say this, but uh well yes I did. I, I ain't I ain't looking forward to hearing no more Jay Z albums. I mean, I'll listen yeah, to him stay out, but I ain't, I ain't, I'm good. He never dropped nothing else. I think I'm cool with what we got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, then. So, gentlemen, I thank y'all again. We will see y'all next week. And with that, I'm going to bid y'all adieu, and I'm going to say peace. Peace. He's very sick. Yeah. Hey, yo. The nurse said he's really very, very sick. Military-minded. Strategize plots to knock knots in hot spots in hell and earth through my snot box. Raps is G's, no more scrap ticket, we master these. I jam back the walls to the furthest capacity once again. Planning out the damn the damn thing changed. Still, when it comes to microphones, I leave my victims found slain. Cause I'm trained to aim precise and bang shots in blank spots. My vocal cords are swords, I slice your sweater to a tank top. And when it comes to battling, y'all cats ain't even worthy. Cause y'all be dead, pulling styles like stolen cars out of jerks. You're fucking with the most confident.